Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode 106 of Dope Nostalgia, and I'm your host, Naomi. My special guest today is a country musician. Now, it's so exciting to have country acts because I haven't had that many yet. I mean, we had Farmer's Daughter, all three members on the show with their own individual episodes earlier last year, which was phenomenal. Those ladies are the best. And we had Allie Colleen. Allie Colleen was fantastic, too. But I think a lot of people missed the memo on Allie Colleen. She's Garth Brooks' daughter. And she's making a huge splash in her own merit without her dad's help. And she was an incredible guest as well. Today, we're welcoming from Red Deer, Alberta, Dwayne Steele, an award-winning singer-songwriter in country music. And I'm very excited to have him. Let me tell you a little bit more about Dwayne's career. Wikipedia Moments. Dwayne Steele is among Canada's top country recording artists and songwriters with a professional career dating back to 1984. Born and raised in the small Alberta peace country town of Hines Creek, music was a big part of Dwayne's life growing up. He fondly remembers parties at his parents' home with everyone sitting around singing and playing various instruments. As teenagers, Dwayne and his cousins started a band spending summers and weekends playing for weddings and community dances. In 1984, Dwayne's professional career began, fronting the band Rockin' Horse. Their album Highways was released in 91. Despite top 20 singles, non-stop touring, and a Juno nomination for Country Band of the Year, Rockin' Horse disbanded in 1993. Dwayne took this opportunity to pursue his goals as a recording artist and songwriter, landing a publishing contract with Warner Chapel in Nashville. This full-time job as a staff songwriter allowed him the privilege of working with and learning from some of the most talented writers from the United States and Canada. In 1995, a showcase at Canadian Country Music Week in Calgary resulted in his signing a recording contract with Mercury Canada. Dwayne's solo album P.O. Box 423 was released in February 96 and saw his first three singles go top five on the Canadian country charts, including the number one hit, Anita Got Married. His sophomore release, This Is The Life, was released a year and a half later and furthered his presence on the Canadian music charts, with all six singles released achieving top 30 chart position. In support of both albums, Swain released seven music videos on CMT, three of which went to number one. Touring and promoting became a way of life for Dwayne once again. He was on the road traveling with his CCMA award-winning band, opening for some of the hottest acts in country music, including Shania Twain, Terry Clark, Trisha Yearwood, Sammy Kershaw, and Prairie Oyster. In 1997, Dwayne was the winner of the CCMA for Vocal Collaboration of the Year with Lisa Brokaw for the single Two Names on an Overpass. In the spring of 1999, Dwayne returned to Canada to focus on his recording career. His third solo album, I'll Be Alright, was released in August 2000 with seven singles released to radio and three videos released to CMT. In 2001, Dwayne was rewarded for his first independently released album by winning the Independent Male Vocalist of the Year Award by the CCMA. 2004 saw the release of Set List, a best of album, including 17 radio singles from his three previous solo albums and three new songs that were released to radio. A video for the song Better Man was filmed in Calgary for CMT. What's Dwayne been up to in the last few years? 
He's going to fill you in. Welcome to Dope Nostalgia. This is Dwayne Steele. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. I like the room you're in. It looks pretty sweet. Is that uh, a studio? Yeah, it's my little music room here at home. And I've been uh, putzing away uh, doing some demos and stuff today. So uh, I've been writing some new songs. So I try and get them down and uh, see how they hold up. (laughs) By the sounds of it, you've kept very creative during this last year of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if nothing else, that's, you know, sort of forced me to get back in here and keep, uh, keep doing things and trying to, uh, trying to stay active, keep the, keep the brain healthy. <laughs> it's good. It's a good thing to take that yeah. time and you, and utilize it, uh, in a good way. Um, one of the titles I saw of one of your songs really cracked me up, uh, looking for a lockdown with you. Oh yeah. That. You know, that was a song that uh, some friends of mine wrote. Uh, I was asked to be a part of it, along with uh, some other artists here, uh, Michelle Wright and Aaron Goodman and uh, uh, Scarlett Butler. Actually, uh, some fr- uh, Joni uh, Delorier and her husband, Troy Coco, wrote that song as a uh, uh, initiative for a fundraiser for a radio station. Oh. Uh, Good old CFCW here in Alberta. So that was where that originated from when I was asked to be a part of it. So it was fun, fun little project. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's pretty sweet. What part of Alberta are you in? I'm down in Red Deer here. Oh, okay. So you're in the in-between zone. <laughs> yes. I'm in the in-between zone. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful. I love the donut mill. That's my, always my stop. Oh, there you go. <laughs> good, good times. Have you been in Red Deer for a long, long time now? I've been here, yeah. I um, I guess we were trying to figure that out. I'm, I'm from northern Alberta originally, up in the Peace River country, but uh, I've lived here with my wife now for, uh, I guess, 18 years, 19 oh, years. Wow. Yeah. So That's Red Deer's great home. Place. Great place. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice little city. We love it. Okay, sweet. Um, I was going to ask, now, um, since this podcast is kind of goes back into the 90s a bit and that you had a great great like career happening then um and your debut album from rock and horse is how your 90s kicked off correct yeah that's right uh we had a band called rock and horse and i think their album came out in 1991 somewhere in there if i Mm -hmm. I remember 1990 or 91 yeah (laughs) i was trying to do some of that (laughs) get the dates right you know um yeah you went solo shortly afterwards, uh, but then how did you like the music you were making with them at the time, and what ended that venture? Well, we were, um, that was our, you know, the first sort of, one of the first bands that we put together, um, you know, back in the early 80s, uh, some friends of mine from up in, we, I was still living in the North Peace at the time, uh, we were uh, basically started out as a club band. So we played the circuit, you know, we did uh, lots of bars and, and clubs and stuff like that. You know, we played, uh, you know, Cook County Saloon and Ranchman's here in Alberta, among others across Canada, Western Canada, primarily. And oh, we yeah. were so we didn't get to writing a lot of our own music till later in our career. We were together um, almost 10 years, nine, nine, nine and a half years or something like that. But we sort of. We got in the, uh, you know, it was always, 
we weren't sure, I guess, if it was going to be the, you know, the, the career or whatever. I, you know, I always wanted to be a musician and always have been. But, um, you know, where we took uh, Rockin' Horse, to, you know, it was, it, was, it was the back half of it when we got serious and started making music and writing music and uh, recording. But I enjoyed every every bit of it. You know, we we had uh, we were lifelong friends and still are. And, um, you know, it was just uh, I think the end of it became, became when uh, I got offered a, a situation where I could move down to the States and become a staff songwriter for a publishing company. And I wanted to sort of broaden my horizons a bit, maybe, and get out of the, you know, get out of the club scene a little bit and see where I could take uh, music in a, you know, on my own, maybe so. You can't That's turn kind of down an offer like that to to go yeah. and experience Nashville and yeah, and and at the time it seemed like we were sort of maybe just um, you know I can't speak for the other guys but for myself I just kind of felt like I was spinning my wheels on a you know <laughs> uh, not kind of getting anywhere that I kind of wanted to be you know we had done an album we had we had you know had some uh, some cool tours we had worked with. Uh, you know, Prairie Oyster back in the day and uh, uh, some artists like that. And we got to play some stages and, and, uh, but it just kind of got to where we had to make that next uh, move or, you know, kind of finish it up. And that's kind of where it was for me. So, yeah. When you were in Nashville, did you do, obviously you, you were there to primarily songwrite. Yeah. Were you writing for yourself as well at the time, or were your songs being handpicked for other artists? Well, that what it was was um, I, I, I uh, met a great uh, a great producer, a songwriter, producer friend named Steve Bogart. He actually um, introduced us to Nashville. He he we were we had worked our way. The Rock and Horse Band had worked our way out to the Canadian Country Music Week in. Uh, I think it was 1991, somewhere in there in Hamilton, Ontario, if my memory serves me. And uh, he would come in. We were we were the Alberta band. We were hosting the Alberta room at the Canadian Country Music Week at that time. So every night our band would play and people would come in and mingle and visit and, you know, do do the smooth thing. So uh, Steve and his wife, Beverly, were coming in and they they enjoyed our band. And that's kind of how we got I got introduced to Nashville and, and our band and stuff. So. Uh, you know, we worked together a little bit, the rock and horse band and Steve. And like I said, that, that sort of didn't pan out, but then I was offered an opportunity to come down there and work as a staff songwriter for Warner Chapel music, who Steve was with in, uh, 1993. So I moved down there and, um, the idea was to try and get a record deal, you know, so I was writing songs primarily for myself. Uh, some of the tunes got pitched around and stuff like that, but uh, I never did end up getting any big cuts. We had a, we had a uh, um, short-lived. <laughs> we had one of my songs called "Leaving Made Easy" that I wrote with a friend named John Robin. Had been uh, picked up and cut by Alan Jackson, and we thought that was going to be the opening of the the songwriting catalog. But uh, it turned out uh, he attracted a couple times, and it didn't work for him. So. Oh. <laughs> so i had to take back the new truck i went and bought no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> hey but like i said it's worth it's worth the experience i'm sure doing it yeah yeah no absolutely and i love uh love nashville i loved working there and uh, you know like i say the rock and horse band was great it's a big part of who i am and where i 
went in uh, music and I've always done music to some degree uh, pretty much my whole life. I started playing in a band when I was like 15 years old with my cousins and stuff. So I've always been in a band, always done music. Yeah. You mentioned that Canadian Music Week happened to have been out in Ontario, which got me thinking, um, in this country, do you feel that there's certain provinces maybe that are more immersed in country music genre than others? Mm, yeah, well, you know, having traveled Canada for the last 30 years or so, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a country music following and a fan base all throughout the country but you're right there's there's pockets of Ontario that are huge uh country music fans and and uh country music exists Alberta and Saskatchewan of course are huge yeah uh, you know a little bit in Manitoba um and some in you know every province has little pockets of it but you're right I mean Alberta and Saskatchewan and parts of Ontario are huge for country music and certain parts of the Maritimes too are uh, they're they're avid avid mm -hmm. country music fans yeah that's cool I you see I wasn't really sure because I haven't had a chance to go out east and uh, learn much about that but oh yeah fantastic yeah. I'm glad you've gotten to experience visiting all over the country yeah yeah um, now, that being said, do you feel there's any kind of difference in the songwriting between Canadian and American country music? Um, that's a good question. I, well, I, I think the only, you know, one of the main differences, especially in the country genre, is is the use of, uh, you know, American and, you know, we where we live uh, geographically and stuff. I mean, um, I'm trying to think now if I've written many country songs with U.S. names and stuff, and I probably have, especially when I was living down there, maybe, and we were writing songs for that market and stuff. But I, I guess, you know, country music's country music. Um, but they're probably it. You know, I, I never really analyzed that part of it that much. Like, because I got to write with Kenny. I've been lucky to write with some great uh writers out of uh, the U.S. and Canada. And I think at the end of the day, we all, we all just want to write a great song, whether it's with a guitar or with a piano or whatever, uh, you know, that ultimately as a songwriter, you want to write a song that the whole world's going to sing one day. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I still, I'm, I'm working towards that every day. <laughs> yes. That, that's, that's a great answer for a very, um, complicated question but <laughs> yeah. um but yeah no i i can totally see where you're coming from sometimes it's just replacing the name maybe of a city <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah. it's like you know you know in the south especially in the in you know in the country music genre nashville is is home to a huge musical um environment and people but a lot of people tend to you know that that come from the south and in Nashville and stuff. They use their they use their cities and their their states and their counties and you know all that stuff in their songs and they write about it. You know they live it out and they write about it in songs. So that's kind of you know in Canada we tend to we we do to a degree, but it's it, it seems to be more personal kind of stuff. Maybe um, you know. From if if I had to make a distinction, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm.
stuck on your love I'd like to get out of here, baby, just move on Go someplace I ain't never gone But I'm stuck, stuck on your love back to the 90s and 96 was an amazingly successful year for you now p.o box 423 came out and had a strain yeah. of hits for you what is the meaning of the title uh p.o box it was it was <laughs> it was my mailbox in nashville <laughs> p.o box 423 and then i uh i was with a friend spike blake who was a young guy that uh when we we both moved to he was a he's a from the U.S. and I'm trying to remember where he's from now. One of the northern states, but uh, we moved down there right around the same time. He was there a couple of years before me and had uh, had a big hit with Steve Warner called "Driving and Crying" that he wrote with uh, a friend of his and stuff. So he was entrenched a little bit. But we got to be songwriters, and um, when I I I had that mailbox, and he, we were just tossing out song ideas one day, and. Uh, I don't know how the idea of my mailbox, P.O. Box 423 came up, but we decided we were going to write a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where it came from. <laughs> that's perfect. Well, back then, that was probably phone and mail, primary methods of communication. You might have gotten a fax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, you know, I listen to a lot of the young, young people's songs now and they're, you know, they're all talking about texting and zooming and TikTok and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there and it's all valid for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a sign you of the times. You weren't hearing that stuff in the nineties. That's for sure. Nope. Yeah, that's exactly. Just a sign of the time. I've heard a, a few like early 2000 songs where people talked about their pager going off, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. Those annoying just, pagers. Yeah. Hanging from your belt, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they seemed like they were useful, but not really. I guess it just back then everything was a landline. So I guess it just got you to the landline, right? Mm-hmm. Now, later you covered a Gordon Lightfoot track, who yes. obviously Gordon is a Canadian treasure. Who were yeah. your musical heroes growing up? Well, I had many. I had many uh, musical heroes, and I, I think you know, in junior high and high school, I think I'm, I know for a fact I had one of the most eclectic album uh, collections in my small town of Hines Creek for a kid my age. You know, I was listening to people like David Bromberg and Rodney Crowell and Chris Christopherson, and people like that were sort of, you know, a lot of the you know, a lot of the old, some of the older folks were listening to. Um, people like that but I got into it early um Rodney Crowell was a huge influence as a singer songwriter and the fact that he was sort of in the country genre as well uh Chris Christopherson's early stuff Gordon Lightfoot for sure mm -hmm. although I didn't you know we weren't singing and playing a lot of Gordon's songs but certainly respected and and loved his twos I mean to me, his voice and his songs are just pure Canadiana. Like yeah. when I was living in the States, that's kind of why I went back to that song. 
uh, a good friend of mine had reminded me of the, you know, uh, an album he had out called Gord's Gold when he said, you know, if you're ever, if you're ever, uh, you know, homesick for Canada, just throw on some Lightfoot and you'll be back in Canada, you know, just by listening to the music and it, and it, it worked, you know, it was awesome. And so I fell in love with that song again, if you could read my mind and I thought, oh, you got to cut this song. It's just gorgeous. I think as a songwriter, that's one of, that's the kind of song, um, you know, we all aspire to writing one day, you know, it, it, and that it's kind of timeless, right? It's just about a, a relationship gone bad, but it, it fits in any, any decade. I think, you know, songs like that, those songs that are just timeless are just, that's, it's perfect really. That's the goal is to yeah. create something that would become timeless such as that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. coming from. Now you got to work with Lisa Brokop quite a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lisa and I, we went back to the first album. I didn't really know. Well, I knew who Lisa was and I had met her a couple of times prior to myself moving down there and working on my first album. But uh, we had some mutual friends that kind of got us tied up, uh, you know, working on the first album. <clears throat> we just threw out a invitation for her to come and sing on one of the songs, two names on an overpass. Yeah. Uh, with us and she graciously accepted and and uh, you know I've known her ever since and we we've toured many times in Canada together and stuff so she's a fantastic fantastic artist world class singer where providence road crosses i-54 there on the outskirts of town he made a testament to their love, the only way he had. Armed with a can of red aerosol, trusting his life to that rope round his waist, dangling above the westbound passing lane, he rode Jimmy. Loves Becky Brown. Two names on an overpass. Left defying feet of love. To this day, every time she drives past, she's taken back when she looks up. It was just her and him. Things were so simple then. All you needed to prove love would last. Were two names on an overpass. After these messages, we'll be right back. Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff and more. 
There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Hey everybody, it's DJ AKV, Amanda Knight from No More Games Radio, and you are listening to my favorite 90s podcast, Dope Nostalgia, with the fantabulous Naomi. Help! We've been robbed! Stop! Stop, evildoers! Introducing super-stretching superhero Stretch Armstrong! Yes, Stretch Armstrong! Now stretching fun farther than ever before! He bends, he stretches, even ties and knots, but always returns to his original shape. How's he do that? He's been doing that since he was a kid. Stretch Armstrong from Cap Toys. Who else? What album cut have you recorded that you wish had been a single? Oh, that's a good one. What album cut that I wish would have been a single? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take okay. your time. I can edit it. <laughs> Eight or nine albums out now that are. Uh, There's a song on uh, on an album I had out. I think it was 2006 or eight. Something called Ghost Town. And there's a song in there that I wrote with a friend of mine named Steve Fox called Living Backwards. I always thought it was a great song. Uh, and that now that you've reminded me, I should revisit that because I think that song could fit anywhere too. And uh, I, I just think, I, I think we missed the boat on that. I, I don't know why, but you know, I listened back and uh, I thought, no, that's a cool tune. And it's interesting. The, the title and the way, you know, if I was living backwards um, that I think it's that song, you should dig it up. I will. Oh, oh, it's going to be on the, it's going to be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> play a clip of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pulled a stool up and down to Dublin Cussed under my breath She made me so damn mad that night I told her to go to hell And I'd be better off without her Or so I thought back then I took a left instead of right that night Never saw her face again but if I was living backwards And tomorrow was yesterday I'd go right back to that moment I drove her away I'd make different choices I'd say the right things If I was living backwards But I can't go living backwards Hey, maybe it's never too late to to keep exactly. working on that song, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, that's one. That's one for sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you still have your own label, Jolt Records? Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 What made you I, decide I, you were going to have your own label? And do you have other uh, artists on it too? Well, I was with 
Mercury, I was lucky to be with Mercury for a couple albums in the 90s and stuff. And um, when I came back to Canada, um, you know, there was things were changing and, and uh, you know, in the late 90s, the, the industry changed quite a bit. And I was with a, a huge publishing company called Warner Chapel. And we went in one day and that whole, you know, 50% of the writers at, at that that were signed in-house at Nashville at that time were sort of let go. Mm. You know, the, not let go, but their contracts weren't picked up again. And with that, sort of record companies responded the same. So I ended up without a record deal, um, you know, in early 2000, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So I thought, well, you know, I still I have some songs. I still want to keep making music and things weren't working out, getting a new record deal. So I just formed my own. <laughs> Get it done yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, and I've been lucky to be able to release my music here in Canada. And now, especially with, the, you know, with online, um, you know, sources and Apple Music and, you know, streaming and stuff like that. You know, we have outlets for our, for our music as an independent and stuff. So uh, it's kind of all worked out. You know, it's the thing about a, a major label uh, situation is that a lot of us indies have a very, uh, you know, struggle with is, is the advertising money and the, you know, being able to uh, access certain avenues of advertising and, you know, in a, in, with the big clout and stuff that those people can. So, yeah. You kind of miss that as an indie artist, but uh, that's you know. really all you need a major label for is the promotion. Sort of, right? yeah. That's yeah. what they're all about. The yeah, that's loan. what they are. Yeah, yeah, it's right. That's right. Doing yeah. this podcast, I've had an opportunity to talk to a lot of artists who tell me yeah. most experiences with major labels can be pretty negative. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there are. I, I cannot say that. Um, mm. I had a fantastic rapport with uh, the guy that signed me to um, Mercury Canada. His name was Doug Chappelle. He just passed here a couple of years ago, mm. a year and a half ago or so. He was a fantastic record guy. And he came from um, being a musician and bands and stuff himself. So he kind of understood. He understood us, I think, you know, um, where, and, and I know some some record people do come from music backgrounds, but a lot of them don't uh, these days. They come from different areas in the in the music business or or not even. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it makes a difference if you get somebody like you, Doug was just fantastic to work with. And his whole crew was like that. His whole, uh, you know, the A&R people and everybody over at uh, Mercury in Canada was fantastic. Yeah. I'm so glad you had that kind of experience. Yeah. It's good to know yeah. that there's some good people up in Oh the yeah. These people were some of the best. I still see them at uh, CCMAs and at various musical events and we're all still friends and it's Oh, that warms my heart. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad to hear the positives. Yeah. Um speaking of which, do you have any favorite CCMA or CMT moments from over the years that uh, you recall? Well, a lot of the CC, well, I think being, uh, you know, back in the 90s when I was, you know, I had the uh, record company push and there was some really good promo and stuff going on, you know, getting to play on the CCMA award show and, 
doing some television all across Canada and stuff like that. And that's kind of one of the reasons I know that uh, I still have a career in Canada, I think, is because of all that, all of that, you know, that happened back in the 90s, thank, thank, thankfully to, uh, you know, my record label that kind of laid the groundwork and gave me a foundation to, to keep working off of after many, many years. And, uh, but the CCMAs, you know, the rapport with people, every, you know, Canada's huge. We all know that. But, you know, for for a few days every year, uh, the industry gets together. It's, you know, like much like the Junos and some of the other uh, music conferences. And, and uh, people just get together and enjoy each other's company and uh, talk shop a little bit, but mostly just hang out and uh, have a really good time. And that's some of my favorite times is just meeting up with old friends and new friends and making new friends and stuff like that. Well, that'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to come one day. Oh, for sure. If, yeah. if you in Calgary, have... It's in Calgary coming up this next year. There you go. That's not yeah. far. I would love to. I've been yeah. to the CCMA Awards when they were in Edmonton, but that was like oh, yeah. oh, eight years ago. Seven years oh, yeah. Ago. Yeah. It looked a while back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you could choose one newer artist to cover a Dwayne Steele song, which artist would you choose? And would you have a song in mind for them? I don't know if I've got a song in mind, but there's a, there's a, lots of, lots of Canadian artists. I would love, you know, Dallas Smith. Mm, I'm a big Brett fan. Gissel, any of these guys like uh, Dean Brody, you know, mm-hmm. or Bamford's we've written some songs and he's covered. I've been lucky to have some stuff to success with him and stuff. But if we were looking uh, south of the border at some American artists, there's, I heard this guy here uh, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine Jeremy, named Ryan Hurd. I think he's Marin Morris's husband. Um, oh, yeah. He's got a great sound and, and a great uh, musicality about him. I really, really enjoyed, um, you know, some of those people that are up and coming like that. It'd be nice to get on that train as a songwriter as they're evolving, uh, you know, and, and having hits and stuff like that. That's uh is it Morgan Wallen? He's uh, I know there was some controversy around him, but man, can that guy sing? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, artists like that, they've got massive, massive followings and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and plus he just sings a great country song and convey the emotion and stuff out of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a few of there's a few few people out there now that I listen to, and I'm like, wow. Because a lot of people complain that there's no talent anymore and there's no songs, but I disagree. I totally it's disagree. Fair. I think it's almost better than it's ever been. Like I think I think it's that whole like hip hop bro country thing that some people are yeah, like they yeah. kind of steer clear of, but there's still yeah. there's still people like um yeah Chris Stapleton, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, Stapleton's fantastic. Yeah. And even now I noticed some of the more commercial side of you know, Nashville's going back to, you know, the bro country thing is, is, you know, thankfully <laughs> sort of disappearing a little bit and they're starting to write, you know, song, even if, even if they're using their, you know, pop and hip hop influences, they're kind of going back to more uh, personal songs, love songs and life and relationship and stuff like that. So the songs are kind of coming back. I know the nineties were kind of all about that, you know, um, 
you know, not so much just uh, everybody hanging out in the back of a pickup truck and uh, <laughs> tailgate, yeah. tailgate, tailgate is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, but you know, so there's some news, there's some songs out there now I hear in the radio even, and I go, wow, it's a great song. Thankfully it's breaking through. And you know. the ladies too. Um, Absolutely. Do you know Allie Colleen? I do not know. She oh, is- Allie. She just goes by Allie. Okay. Right? She's been on the show. She's uh, Garth's daughter. Garth Brooks' She's daughter. Right? Garth Brooks' oh, daughter. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know her then. No. Yeah, no, different. I, I know who you're talking about. Yes, Allie. Talking about Allie. Girl. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, Allie Col- Colleen. She's, oh, okay. Yeah, but she's she's kind, she's like that too. She's got like an old school sensibility about her music and very wonderful. Oh, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, now, currently, tell everybody what's going on with your music, where they can hear the new stuff, what you've been putting out this year. What's going on? Well, I put out a, um, a new album an EP, I guess, called Bonfires and Guitars, uh, released it to, you know, all the platforms, the streaming platforms and stuff like that. We don't really make CDs anymore because, well, eight to the last two years, we haven't had any gigs to go and play. And, and you know, that's kind of gone away. But, the you know, so people can download and stream off the streaming platform. So I have a new EP out called Bonfires and Guitars out a couple of years ago. I just put a new single out here um a, a few weeks ago called daycation it was kind of just a fun song that i wrote with a couple friends of mine up from up in northern alberta uh for many years we did a songwriting seminar called Songrise up in the peace river country and mm. people from all over alberta came young people Tennille towns was one of our was one of the the kids that came there years no ago way. worked her way up yeah but anyway, so we would write songs after this seminar, uh, myself and Dana and Sherry, you know, we'd save a couple of days and whoever else was on the panel or whatever. So we'd write some songs and this song kind of came from one of those writing sessions. And I, uh, I kind of gave it some life again and just put it out here uh, a few weeks ago, put it out as a single. I kind of wanted to keep, keep things going and keep things fresh and, you know, every Every few months, I'm going to try and keep putting out some new music. So, and I've been working on some new music. Like I say, I've got a, a pile of tunes. I've been writing songs here over the over COVID. Um, so I'm demoing those up right now, just acoustic guitar vocals, and trying to see how they stand up and see what we can't do for our next project. Hopefully, it's going to be an album. Full album. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm yeah. so glad that you're like working hard at uh, being creative and getting it done. So wonderful. Yeah. We have something to look forward to. Yeah, you know? well, I'm looking forward to it. It's it feeds the it's a you know um it kind of feeds my soul, you know, doing doing stuff, doing this music thing and stuff. And uh whether you know my favorite place to be is on stage and singing for people. Uh that's one of my one of my favorite places to be in terms of the music business. But if I can't do that, I enjoy, I, I enjoy this part of it too, the writing the songs and recording and stuff like that. Well, the live, the live shows are starting to to come back. So yeah. do you have anything planned that people can go see you in the near future? I actually, uh, I've got a couple shows with my friend Gord Bamford here coming up next week. We are in uh, St. Paul and Birch Hill, Saskatchewan. Uh, I'm going to be doing some 
uh, an opening set for Gord's uh, concerts on those. Um, I'm I'm actually going into the Mayfield Dinner Theater at the first part of the new year. We're doing a we're reprising a show called Nashville Outlaws. I did it 12 years ago, Sweet. and uh, it's the story of uh, Waylon Jennings and and uh, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. And I was asked to be a part of it uh, 12 years ago, and we had such a blast doing it. They're bringing it back, and so I'm going to do that this year again. That's uh, cool. It's fun that it's a, that's another element of the of the biz that, you know, up until then, I had never really done any theater or anything like that. And thankfully, they're just letting, you know, they're letting me sing and, <laughs> you know, and uh, have I have some dialogue. I have lines and stuff like that as Waylon Jennings. But uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. It's fun. I'll have to tell my buddies about it. Finally, I get that something's happening that's actually in my area. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So that's amazing. Um, yeah. Speaking of being in Alberta, born, are you born and raised in Alberta? Yes, I was born up in uh, Fairview, Alberta, raised in the peace country, a little town called Hines Creek is where I grew up and, mm -hmm. and went to school. And uh, Hines Creek is a town about uh, uh, population, I would say three, 350 plus dogs and cats on a busy Saturday night. It might be all the way up to 400. <laughs> Hamlet. At Hamlet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the Alberta Hamlet. Um, yeah. Where would you tell someone who is visiting Alberta where they need to go and see like as a tourist? Um, you know, oh, where, where would you direct? Alberta's them? huge as we know, but uh, yeah. you know, and I've been, I've been, that's one of the, kickbacks of being a musician is that I've, I've got to travel all over Canada. We have such a beautiful country and Alberta is, is right at the top of the list. Um, you know, right from the Badlands, right from actually the plains south of Calgary, you know, down, um, you know, the southern plains right up through the Badlands at Drumheller and over to the Rocky Mountains and then swing up through here through central Alberta. It's and into the north. It's, mm. you know, that river valley up in Edmonton is, is stunningly beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, I I would suggest you take a drive, drive the province, see it all, see the Rocky Mountains, see the see the Badlands, see the you know, central Alberta, see the, you know, the north, we've got beautiful timberlands up in the northern Alberta and the Peace River that that's holds a big place in my heart, the Peace River up in northern Alberta. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, it's a beautiful place. That's fantastic. My mom's gone around to uh, drive around through her retirement. And she's putting together a book of photos of all the like, you know, like the Ukrainian egg and the uh yeah, <laughs> the yeah. land pad and like she's just yeah. making like this just just to do it in her retirement so sweet yeah yeah absolutely and i've i've seen all those things and, and they're <laughs> awesome you know and i love it i chuckle sometimes you just go oh that's just such an interesting the mundare sausage and yeah like that, right? exactly yeah we have so many of those um, yeah to wrap things up i wanted to ask you what food clothing item toy etc would make you nostalgic for the 90s <laughs> what food yeah any, you know, any of those types of boy, things nostalgic oh my goodness that is a good question that's what, what i like food? to end every interview on 
Well, this is, this might be lame, but I kind of miss going, you know, when I moved to, uh, when I moved away in the nineties and I moved down to Tennessee for a few years, record stores were still a huge thing. Um, you know, they albums and CDs and stuff like that. And, and I used to spend hours going through, you know, record stores and buying new music and stuff like that. And I, to me, you know, that, that kind of ended in the nineties or right at towards the end of it. And I'm like, you know, just tower records, A and B sound. I remember there was an A and B sound on the South end Edmonton there all the time. I could not drive out of town without stopping at that place. And I love places like that. So give me a record store again. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing lame about that. Me too. I miss that experience. And I got so many cool imports at A and B sound. They always had some of those. You didn't always, they would order in anything you wanted, but they just had them. I remember. Yeah. Uh, Spending a lot of time there at HMV, I was like, oh, oh yeah, exactly. HMV too. Like, yeah. That experience. Trying to think of the big record store that was out in uh, Toronto on Young Street. Um, Sam's? Sam's. Sam the Record Man. What an awesome. And I think it's still, go, that one on Young Street might still be open, but uh, be amazing. I haven't been to Toronto for a while, but hopefully it is. But uh, yeah. Those those things Legend. just get me excited. <laughs> Legendary. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of them have made the smart move, the ones that still exist by switching to a vinyl thing where you yeah, right. buy vinyl, right? Yeah. For 40 bucks a record. I know. That's a little <laughs> over the top for sure. Or a lot over the top. <laughs> Expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I own four albums. <laughs> No, if you have 10 albums, you got $400 worth of music there. You know, it's like if you're paying that kind of money, but no, I've got, I do have vinyl still. I, I, you know, I dig it up like places. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes you can still find, like, I found Brian Adams reckless for like four bucks. Yeah. That up. Oh yeah. (laughs) No blue rodeo album here. Yeah. Yeah. Thriller. Like it's pretty cool. You can find these things. Those are great albums too. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I hope you had fun. Uh, it I was a great chat. Thank you, thank you for inviting me to come on here. That's awesome, Naomi. I appreciate it. For sure. And uh, when you're up here and doing the show at the uh, dinner theater, I'll see if I can get a crew to come come out and check it out. Please do. It's uh, it's a fun show. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And uh, they always treat everybody pretty good over there at the Mayfield. So that's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks a lot. You have a great uh, rest of your day. You too. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Cell phones buzzing. You know it ain't nothing. You answer anyway. Grass keeps growing, always needs more, it ain't gonna go away. What do you say we just lock that door, forget about all that stuff? Let's take a vacation, just me and you. Doesn't really matter where we go or what we do, we can make this day last all night long. Curl up on the couch, pour a little something strong kick back chill to a jimmy 
up and song Lost in each other Till the sun goes down Let's take a vacation Hey kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second You know, you can follow us on Twitter at NostalgiaDope Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.